welcome everybody to Inspiration and Adaptation, a weekly conversation exploring how artists adapt and innovate from visions of social justice, responses to climate change, and forms of resilience in pandemic times. I'm Asia Freeman, Artistic Director of Bunnell Street Art Center, and today we're speaking with David Brain, who discusses the role of travel and exploration in Afrofuturism and feeling like a, an immigrant in the land he belongs to. I too am an immigrant. Benel Street Art Center is situated on the lands of Nilchitna, the Nilchik village tribe, a land that has been sustainably stewarded for thousands of years since time immemorial by the Denaina and Supyak people of this region. Benel is committed to resisting colonialism by partnering with BIPOC artists and supporting BIPOC-led practices. David, Welcome, and welcome to everyone who is with us here today. It's really um, a pleasure to have you all with us. And um, well, I'm excited to be here. Can I, can I invite you to uh, go ahead and provide a brief little self-introduction? Um, I'm uh, originally from South Carolina, and I've been uh, sort of moving north my entire life. Uh, lived in the Midwest, um, lived uh, in Canada, lived in Mexico. Um, so, always been a you know, of the arts. Um, and um, as a as a as a young person, you know, sort of started with um, comic strips, sort of like Bill Watterson, you know, Calvin Hobbes, uh, you know, Bill and Mins, and doing like uh, those kinds of things. Uh, and then um, you know, I kind of got into comic books, you know, um, as opposed to moving from comic strips. Um, and that sort of became kind of my whole life, you know, like I dedicated all everything that I was doing uh, to the role of being a, a comic artist and telling stories in that way. Um, Fabulous. And um, tell us a little bit about Afrofuturism, just kind of orient us, if you would, to, to the project and um, what it means to you, why you got into it. Um, Afrofuturism, it, it means uh, a lot to me. I mean, the, 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 the term didn't, didn't exist um, when I was growing up. There was no I, ideas around this idea of, a, of an Afrofuture, of a future for, for, for Black individuals, you know. Like, um, so, it was started, or the, the term was coined in 1993 um, by Mike, Mark Gary, and um, he, uh, the, the term describes um, a collective idea of the, the, the diaspora of, um, of, of blackness and creating positive um, and inquisitive futures uh, for them, you know, um, and it's something that wasn't uh, wasn't relevant, you know. The the idea of when you when you watch when you look at sci-fi, these these uh, ideas of of the future, whether it's dystopian, whether it's utopian, whether it's utopic, you know, um, uh, a lot of uh, you could say well, white faces are exist um, in that spectrum. You have um, you know the full the full spectrum of understanding whether you know this is how we can we can move forward or these are the, the bad choices that we can make but 
as a as a black person or, or any person of color, you don't really get to see those kinds of things um, presented um, in, in these science fiction settings. Um, the, the future is sort of exclusively uh, uh, designated for, um, for for Eurocentric ideas and Eurocentric um, feelings. So, um, but the the idea of Afrofuturism, um, you know, it it even though it started or it was coined in the 90s, um, it actually, uh, you know, you could look to, to other artists that have already created other types of novelists. So um, you can look to Octavia Butler or to um, W.E.D. Uh, e. <laughs> du Bois and our, um, or even Henry Dumas. Like these um, creators, uh, these intellectuals, these writers, uh, uh, were in some ways uh, coming up with with, uh, with ideas of um, these um, positive or um, you know sometimes harrowing um, views of of a black future, but the idea is that it exists and that it has salience and that it, that it's real. Um, so that's the the role of the Afrofuturist is to help create stories and experiences um, for um, for the future. So that's what we do. And it also seems to me, though, that there's really a valid role for imagining um, in response to the lack of positive futures in recent, you know, and, you know, um, in a sense, history as long as the American project for blacks especially, just considering, you know, the, the um, violent colonial roots of the American project and the lack of, the lack of really um, rich and nuanced narratives about black life. You know, I was looking at, in, in the quite a recent issue of New Yorker, contemporary writer Sadia Hartman talks about sharing untold stories of black life. And she describes her work as troubling the line between history and imagination. And I was thinking about that in terms of your work too, because you too are contributing to the canon, you know, and every writer is. And why is that important? I mean, one of the things that Hartman talks about is that her work asserts, you know, a detailed narrative by Black people about Black lives. And Toni Morrison too, she wrote Beloved based on this tiny little, you know, snippet of a newspaper article. And so she built an account, if you will, around a huge um, absence with very little detail. And so I'm thinking about, you know, within Afrofuturism, what you are building and what stories need to be told, you know? Right, yeah, it's, um, you know, in a, in a way it's, it's speculative fiction, right? It's uh, these, these things where we're speculating about them. It's not so much um, always, it's, I guess you could say like original sci-fi comes out of fantasy genres, right? And um, so there's some fantastical elements um, to um, the way these stories are, are, are built. But once, you be, once things become speculative, when, um, the, the fantastical elements are, are actually very real. And, and not necessarily come from real science, but maybe um, from real ideas of, uh, of mysticism or of, 
other other ways that are I, I, I guess you could say non-Western um, ideologies and ways of uh, connecting to to the land or to, to, to people um, like it, being able to then take that information and then um, apply it to um, the lived experience of, of, of Black uh, Americans. And Afrofuturism, you know, it, it has like a, a wider spectrum, you know, it is a diaspora, right? So it's, there's, a, there's a wider spectrum um, of, of talents. So, you know, there's people in Nigeria, there's people in Tanzania, there's people in, um, you know, in Europe uh, that, are, that are doing the, essentially the same idea that we're, uh, we're working with. But specifically when we're talking about, you know, black people in America, um, using this the speculation of, um, you know, what we're seeing in terms of police brutality, in terms of um, how uh, white supremacy is, is sort of used um, as like, as a way to, to maneuver and manipulate lives, um, you know, you can look at those types of points and then you can start making stories. You can start developing places or, or ideas based around those types of, um, uh, I guess, you know, I, don't, I guess you can say traumas, you know? Um, sure. So what do you do? You come up with um, stories about uh, bulletproof, you know, um, like what if you're like a kid that's, you know, a moon passes by and suddenly you're bulletproof, you know, or um, you start coming up with, what if the coin was on the other foot? What if, you know, the Confederacy had like uh, lost or, you know, well, I guess it did lose, but like, but then, you know, black lives became, you know, like they started to um, become the, the premier, you know, like um, voice of like monetary rule. What if, you know, something like Tulsa had never happened, but, you know, these kinds of things. Um, yeah. Where would we be and what kinds of stories can we tell based on um, these kinds of speculations? So, so that's really what, what, we're, what we're trying to do um, and, and really how it sort of affects um, like the work, you know, I guess. And when I say the work, I just mean in terms of how, how we tell stories, comics, novels, movies, all of that. Totally. That makes abundant sense. And so it seems that like within Afrofuturism, within your, your comic works, there's a lot of exploration and travel, you know, a kind of a potential of limitless opportunity in a sense for visions of being, for visions of power. Um, maybe you could take us through some, like a, a portfolio or two of, of works and we could, we could kind of see what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's look at some uh, some artwork. Um, and yeah, that's a that's, that's a very it's it's a good intro or a good segue because um, yeah, like I said, I grew up traveling. You know, my parents were in the military, um, so uh, we didn't necessarily do all the, the crazy traveling some people do, where it's like every six months. But um, we did go to different places. You know, and, um, we had. I sort of developed a nomadic experience. Um, let me uh, share my screen. And uh, where that, um, 
I mean, what that kind of did for me was sort of give me those, like, I, I we'll call it hot feet, you know, like, um, didn't want to stay in too many places too long. Um, but I did like the idea of home, you know, and I think that's, that, that feels good. So I, I like the idea of hmm, going to a place as a, uh, as a non-native, you know, and trying to find out what, um, local experiences are. Um, and, uh, actually, uh, let me, let's do this one. So before artwork, I'll show you, uh, you know, just a few ideas of the type of places, you know, so we're talking about, we're mostly going to be talking about like, uh, work that influences, um, Afrofuturism. And, um, so I have some images from, uh, from when I was in, I did, I don't know, six, uh, seven weeks in, um, on the continent of Africa. I went to uh, five or six different countries while I was there. Um, and this one was in Tunisia. So I wanted to see um, Arab Africa. I wanted to see black Africa. And when you're in Africa, that's actually what they say. They, they say, are you, are you African or are you, are you black? Or I'm sorry, are you African or are you Arab? You know, like, they have these kinds of distinction distinctions and they also have interesting distinctions of like, you know, if you're, you know, call people Christian and, um, you know, are you Jewish or, you know, they kind of do it separated by your, your religion and not so much, it, it doesn't, it's not like a racial experience, you know, it's more of a, um, a collective, it's a cultural experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so this is like Tunisia, um, you know, uh, a lot of the sort of the brickwork, the um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty expansive place. Um, it's dusty. It's hot. It's dry. It's a uh, you know, it's a former. Um, when I was there, it's a former like uh, failed coup um, type of place. So it was like it was completely like sort of bombed out while I was there. But then you had these nice little places of respite, um, and you know where they were there were cultural areas. Um, another thing about my travels is, uh, like I was sort of saying, I, I want to find uh, sort of like the small, the intimate moments. Um, those are the things that I like. Uh, I like natural elements. I think it's, it's part of like my line work and part of the way that I experience the world, you know, visually. So I'm very much into like sort of texture line, uh, and sort of the the stories of of, of nature. You know? So this is a uh, I believe it's a it's a baobab, and they have these ones in these really tall ones in Madagascar. But uh, this is in Tanzania in uh, Ruaha, and uh, it's a it's a, uh, it's a protected area, um, and uh, it's a sort of like the southern version of the Serengeti. Um, anyway, so they have these like sort of weird, gnarly baobabs, and they're, to me, they're it's, it's like my favorite tree, and these wonderful things. And this will sort of relate to some of the stuff that I, I talk about in the next place. This is also uh, there, you know, there's uh, some hippos out there and stuff, um, elephants. Um, you know, you get to go out into the to the world. So. Um, these are the kinds of like uh, spaces that uh, I, I'm experiencing and I'm sort of like taking in as I'm traveling and um, uh, 
um, looking at these places. This, these, this was on like a, this really tall platform in, in Zanzibar. Um, and uh, you had to climb, there are these fishing platforms where they, um, during the day, the tide goes out and they're like collecting octopus and then they climb these big towers and do fishing. Um, so this is like a little Maasai um, cottage. Um, so Maasai lived there. Um, and this is in Dar es Salaam. So like while I'm there, I'm not looking for like cathedrals or big, you know, like I'm not looking for the, the big cultural, you know, trip advisor places. I like to go kind of wander to what 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 does Dar es Salaam look like when you're, you know, um, when you're not making all of the money, when you're not living in these, these the wonderful places. So you're only seeing what I guess you would say the, the locals, local residents, what we would do. So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for in the places that um, I go to. It, it does get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, maybe a lot of time I'll tell you some, since I got like held up and stuff, but <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> artwork right now. Um, so you're seeing those kinds of places and um, that relates to, we can talk about after the rain. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a, it's a project that I'm working on, or, or not working on, it's already, it's finished. It's going to be premiering or debuting in January, um, 2021, it's sort of like advanced look, you know, at, at some of these, these pieces. So. Uh, while I was in Africa, um, specifically in, in, in Tanzania, that's where a lot of um, my imagery is coming from for developing um, this book, After the Rain. And, uh, After the Rain, um, I'll sort of give you quick summaries. Uh, uh, it's a story by, uh, a short story uh, called On the Road by Nettie Okorafor. Um, sorry if I'm saying her last name wrong. Um, and, uh, and she's a uh, Nigerian descent. Uh, and um, so a lot of her stories are about uh, Nigeria, right, Nigerian folklore, um, stories, um, experiences that, that she's had. So, uh, and, and specifically Igbo um, traditions, which is more rural than you would think of when you're thinking of people from like Lagos or, or something like that. So it's not, it's not big city, like Nigeria, rich millionaires, it's, you know, rural, um, dusty, and it's more, you know, it's, it, it's the jungle. Um, so I'm taking those kinds of uh, ideas and, and I understand that, you know, Nigeria and Tanzania are completely different countries, you know, um, but uh, you can find some, uh, some visual connections. Um, I think it, between the two places, um, you know, where people and rural spaces who have access access to to certain set of, um, I guess, items or whatever, um, you know, they all kind of like do the same thing. So they sort of make these makeshift, um, you know, shanty towns. They they build with what they have, and um, that's kind of what we're getting here. Um, so with After the Rain, it's a, it's actually a horror, uh, you can call it, it's more of a, a 
horror story um, than it is specifically Afrofuturist. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, we have to like sort of parse in, in, in a way. Uh, like Afrofuturism is sort of a, is a big idea. Um, and then it's been sort of collected into these smaller frameworks where you have people doing um, like, you know, Afro uh, skepticism, or they're doing like uh, Southern Gothic horror, or they're doing, um, you, know, uh, you know, slice of life, uh, you, you know, mystical stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it's, there's all these more like sort of subgenres. Anyways. Um, so what I'm sort of taking from this, uh, this narrative, um, are this idea of how everything is sort of makeshift, um, everything is, um, claustrophobic when you're in places like Dar, Dar Salaam, it's, there's a lot, there's so much going on. Um, and that's something that, uh, you find uh, in, in, in this narrative um, is um, this idea of things being claustrophobic um, and uh, kind of, you know, sort of full, full uh, with, with lots of sort of meta narrative. Um, so, what we're seeing here is um, we have this character, Kiyoma. Um, She's uh, a former uh, Chicago um, police officer uh, who goes through a series of traumas and uh, she leaves her job um, for, for some leave and uh, she heads to Igbo country to deal with um, these, these problems that she's having in Chicago. Um, and when she gets there, uh, she, uh, she's living with her, her mother and she has an auntie who comes by and interacts with them. Um, as she's, um, here in, in Igbo country, um, she starts to lose her grip with reality. Um, so things become, um, like, uh, I guess you could say, like, scary very quickly um, and, um, so what we're seeing is uh, her losing her grip in reality um, and something that we wanted to uh, John Jennings and I uh, uh, who's the he adapted the work uh, from from Nettie, uh, he wanted to, to deal with this idea of uh, these, these meta narratives and this idea of claustrophobia this idea of um, you know, the, the largeness or the sort of, the, uh, uh, I guess you could say, I'm sort of, I can't think of the right word, but like the fullness <laughs> of, um, these, uh, these, these places. So even when you're like in these rural areas, everyone lives very collective, you know, like, um, like, uh, it's family oriented, right? So there's always lots of people wherever you are. So you have these small, tiny villages, and then it's like vast spaces of, of nothing. Um, so we're kind of like working with, with those same ideas. Anyway, so uh, I'm not gonna like, I, I, I don't think I can actually tell you what the, <laughs> um, 
what the, the story is. I'm, I'm giving you the, the, the base summary, but um, you have to read it to, <laughs> to get all the good stuff. <laughs> um, so anyway, so as she's losing her grip on reality, um, you know, we, uh, you know, she goes through um, this, uh, you know, like she, she has to sort through um, what this, um, this horror or these terrors um, that only she is experiencing. Everyone else around her is, is unaware of what's happening. Um, so she's the only one that's like seeing all of these things. Her, her reality is falling apart. Um, so these are some, uh, like, uh, there, are, there are points in, in, this, uh, in this narrative, um, are in After the Rain, where um, we do get these, these moments where, where I was sort of talking about with the images that I was talking about where I'm like looking for um, like the small things, you know, like the, the, the intimate moments or the things that feel real, I guess, or, or authentic, if you want to say, use the right word. Um, you know, I was looking for um, stuff like this, like this, this image right here. Um, so you get this respite of... You want to talk a little bit about how you connected with, um, you know, Okoro and the, the, this writer after the rain. How did you, how did you come to connect with her? Oh, yes. Um, actually, I, it, I was connected with um, John Jennings, um, and he's sort of the... Um, I guess you can say he's the, the artistic conduit to, to all things in the Afro future. Um, he uh, uh, he's a he's a really influential and um, I guess you could say uh, prolific creator. Um, and so he connected. Uh, you know, he he wanted to he actually wanted to adapt this this book himself. So he had already started adapting, um, but he. Uh, he likes my artwork and we had worked together on a few other projects and uh, he wanted me to, to, to work, to collaborate with him to, to make this uh, book. And then, uh, and then we sort of, in, in a way we were, we were more like trying to find the, the right feeling uh, of what Nettie had, had already created in her short story. Um, so uh, that's kind of our, our connections is, is I guess you could say creative. Um, and, and that, uh, but it was, it was mostly John Jennings. He's the, he's, he's the guy, he's the man. <laughs> he brought you together. And yes, he, how did you originally meet with John Jennings? Um, it was, uh, I was, uh, working in, um, at a university, Ryerson University in Toronto. And, uh, I was doing some, some research projects there and uh, he sort of uh, had another friend who was uh, getting or finishing up grad school um, at a uh, university art Savannah College of Art and Design. I guess they connected somehow and then he was like oh because he was he was working at University of Buffalo and I was in Toronto so we were about we were proximal we were about an hour and a half away from each other so we just decided to go have a chat and a beer and then we, we hit it off and um, 
we liked all of the same things and we wanted the same things for how we wanted to connect our research to, to comics, to creativity, and to the overall idea of like creating a black future, creating, um, you know, building the, pan the pantheon and creating the, the lexicon uh, that um, allows people to continue to um, build that, that Afro future. Um, you know, because like there's, there's really no codex right now for how Afrofuturism is. You know, this is it's it's really it's nascent. You know, it's a it's it's a baby right now. It's a, and so so right now we're still um, figuring out what that is and um, uh, and how to continue to create stories and evolve stories around. Are we still inside after the rain with this page we're looking at? Uh, yes. So we're still looking at after the rain, you know, we're watching her go through these, these visions. Like, um, uh, there's a, there is a lot of mysticism and, uh, you can say, uh, it's intrinsically connected to, um, to who they are as people, you know, like, uh, and, and, and the term, terms of like you can think of it as like juju or something like that um but uh and the way that you know in american folk tales and folklore you can think of it as hoodoo voodoo you know like um and it's sort of the same uh, built from the same uh, type of ideas where it's religion it's life it's health it's you know it's all stuff and it's all intertwined you know um, and so that's kind of what we're, we're finding um, in, in these uh, these images uh, is that she she encounters um, these sort of mythical deities, you know, uh, and uh, you know they they come after her. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're mostly this is about um, all of the, the artwork for After the Ring and whole story itself it encapsulates this idea of, um, of trauma and how to um, what trauma feels like and how it can manifest itself um, as as demons and in this case is these sort of these sentient like uh, like uh, yeah sentient beings um, that, that she encounters that that cause um, lots of problems for her. Um, so that's, uh, overall, that's how, how, how it manifests. And um, eventually we get to a point where the, her experiences move from uh, sort of the, um, I guess you could say, uh, how she, how Kiyoma, um, is manifesting these these mythical experiences, you know, these sort of psychic experiences, and then, uh, then we get a little bit of the real uh, and why these experiences uh, are, are harmful and how they manifest. So um, here, it's uh, you know, it's a like I said, it's a story of survivorship. It's a story of um, uh, trauma and. Uh, and what that does to people, and and how and how those experiences um, 
overall change your 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 entire life. So. And I and as you're speaking about this, I, I of course I can't help but think that in so many ways um, the contemporary black experience and for generations has been one of horror. It started with a horror story and a really crazy kind of transportation, the middle passage, you know, coming to, to, um, you know, colonial territories. And so it, it, there's a level at which the, um, the scope of your project is, is not at all surreal. It's, it's very real. It's not, abstract it's entirely based it seems it's grounded in the the reality of trauma and time travel that is implicit to um black experience of america yeah 100 percent. like that's a i mean black people understand horror <laughs> like um you know there i won't say everyone i don't think every you know Black people aren't a monolith, so like they're you can't say every black person feels like that they are experiencing these you know heavy burden of you know the black struggle or whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who who don't feel that or who don't experience it or whatever it may be. But um, I think for you know for a lot a huge or vast majority of us, uh, you know, going outside itself is can be horrific you know you, you have no idea if you're going to go home sometimes you know you don't um it's a thing you think you know it might not be i am um, you know you're you're actively vigilant against bad things happening to you you know or you're not hyper hyper vigilant but um you know it's in the back of your mind all the time you know um you know what happens if somebody shoots me you know, for what if I accidentally stop or stand in this place for just too long and somebody thinks I'm going to do something bad, you know, or um, whatever, uh, whatever it may be. So you experience this sort of an, uh, just sort of this small little bubbling, like a little simmering of, um, of horror, um, but just it's being alive, <laughs> and, you know, and, um, uh, I think they call it a, a post-traumatic slave syndrome. Is what um, an author—I forget her name—but she she coined, coined this term uh, to describe uh, just this. This like it's like post-traumatic stress, you know, like it's PTSD, but it's just from existing in a in a in a place where um, your your life is not um, considered valuable, you know, and. And it can be considered uh, expendable, so you you exist within horror. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. And we're looking and right like, now. We're looking at a page from Code Switch. Is that right? Your project with Sanford Biggers. Uh yeah. So this is a um, uh, project I did. I also did this project with uh, with John Jennings. We we collaborated with, uh, on a lot of stuff. We we kind of found our some some really good synergy with the with the way that we we work and it. it doesn't require a lot of um it doesn't require a lot of work we do a lot of work but we just you know it's we we're, we're really well sort of focused in, in the way that we create and um so this uh this project was uh commissioned by 
um, Stanford Biggers, who's um, who's also an artist, but he's uh, more of a multi, uh, I don't say multifaceted. He does he does multimedia, he does mixed media projects um, and installations. Um, and uh, this, uh, he was doing um, these sculptural pieces based around quilting um, and uh, sort of telling stories through stitching and uh, in line um, and uh, sort of these shapes. He was dealing with time and um, how we as black individuals and the, and the black experience are a tapestry quilted together in terms of our um, our existence. You know, like we uh, we all don't know where, where we're from, but we become. You know, we're all these separate pieces, but become this tapestry of blackness. And um, so that's kind of what a lot of these images are for. So. Um, uh, so for for code switch, um, you know you're, you see that um, these images are sort of evident, and there's actually there's m more layers to how this has been disseminated. So you're just seeing the the illustrations, but um, uh, John wrote a beautiful piece of uh, of poetry, and uh, my uh, sort of research and, and uh, the way that I always actually wanted to create comics was as uh, graphic. Uh, poetics, like graphic poetry. Um, so that's always what I've been trying to do, but selling those is difficult. <laughs> so sometimes you have to draw superheroes and stuff like that uh, to be able to afford to do things like this. Um, and uh, so we're trying to find this idea of uh, poetry in the way that we're creating the work. Um, it's, it's, it's metaphorical. It's dealing with, like I said, uh, time and how we're collective group of people. So um, I'll, uh, I don't know if you have like a collective way to let people know, but I can, I, I believe there's a, there's a piece of um, video um, that uh, was created uh, after we were finished with this. Um, uh, Sanford himself is a music musician, so he composed a piece of music. And then there was a, uh, like a, uh, I don't know what they're called, like a 3D computer person <laughs> who made like a video. <laughs> yeah. Um, like a, like there's a moving video piece of animation um, uh, to go along with this. Uh, that sort of actually helps even further push this idea of how, once again, we're uh, these sort of, uh, we're a collective group of, of individuals and we're these these moments of time and uh, and those moments of time are are valuable, you know. And in, in terms of creating the, the larger tapestry, like I said, of, of, of blackness and, and kind of what that means, you know, like in, in the sense of like um, our histories are are valuable just as much as our our futures are are valuable. You know? <laughs> commenting that it's 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 rich to elevate that concept of fragments of time and a people who've who've been fragmented and disrupted and to and to sort of weave it back together in this in this tapestry sense that that you know Sanford Biggers works with and that you're working with him uh, visually here in this form. Yeah, and it was what I really loved about um this this process was it was it was extremely collaborative you know 
it's kind of hard to tell where each piece is that everyone, um, like, uh, that all of us, like, sort of worked with. But, um, you know, there's this, still this, these, I don't know, this, like, and it kind of adds to what, like, the process that we, we went through um, also, I think, uh, helps add, like, value um, and, and agency to the, the work itself. Because we are all these sort of differing groups of black individuals with our own sense of agency, we, we came together to create this other sort of new piece, you know, and the individual pieces are, um, you know, maybe are valuable, but the, the larger piece has, I think, more resonance. So, yeah, and with these, like, you're seeing, once it, like, if, if we go through them, you know, we're seeing uh, old, young, we're seeing a variety of uh, faces, people, um, you know, experiences, you know, we, we discuss um, what it's like to be captured, to have your, uh, yeah, like, your history stolen, um, and then in a way for that to then grow these, these, these new fresh ideas. Like we're, we're not just, um, you know, we're not just our drama, you know, we have the, we have the opportunity to develop new things uh, outside of, of that. So even though we, it, it's something that it, is salient within the, the black experience and, and within like, you can say like black speculative work, you know, it's there, you know, that's the thing we're talking about. We, I would say most Afrofuturists are, are enamored with blackness, you know, we, we, we love it. <laughs> you know, it's a, it is, um, you know, it's, it's our experience. And, um, you know, so to, that, that's part of what we're always talking about and, and trying to make, um, new ways of, of telling those stories um, that, uh, that doesn't, uh, doesn't make our, our trauma just the, the, the old, just, it's there, it's background. And then we can tell these, these, new, experiencing, uh, these new experiences and, and deal with these sort of fresh um, and um, I guess you could say uplifting um, ways of, um, expressing these, these, these ideas. And I would say that's really what we're, we're, we're doing is, um, these are, this is like a, um, it's, it's not about the, the scars. It's, it's more about, um, the, what has developed and what kind of newness happens after the, the scarification happens, you know, so, like now we have all of this history and, um, all of whatever we've done to, we can help continue to build that. Wow. So in, in response to the history and its its denials and its exclusions and its suppressions, you have futurism. And in response to and in, in sort of like counterpoint to trauma, you have this sort of recombinant vision, this this um, re um, collection 
which is an interesting way of thinking about recollection and writing forward if you recorded your story together. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, this is evident. I think it's, it's in, uh, I think, a lot of futurist works. Like, um, the Afrofuturism, Afrofuturism is a, um, you know, it, it's still a part of, of just futurism in, in, in general. So, um, you know, if you look at Chicano creators or Latinx um, creators, or, um, you know, Aboriginal and Indigenous creators, you know, um, everyone is looking for essentially that, that same kind of uh, positive recombinant, I like that word, um, future where it's these things are us, but it is not us, <laughs> you know, where uh, we're, we're much more than that and we have much more to offer. And, um, and it's, and our experiences like are, um, I mean, our grants, like uh, it, it, to me, it's, it, it's one of the, the most wonderful things to be able to like, um, you know, uh, be able to actively affect my, my, my culture, you know, in, in a way. Um, like, as, uh, you know, there's, there's still a lot, there's a lot of stories uh, there that have not been told simply because of, you know, racism, you know, and those types of um, uh, boundaries, you know, there's just, institutional barriers that a lot of people have um, or have had groups of people have had to be able to, to tell the stories that they've wanted to tell to, to tell and now we have the opportunity and and, and the power you know <laughs> you're speaking to like to the um, so i think it's great yes yes absolutely the agency of of the artist in in bending time and bending power to tell a more nuanced story of, of experiences. And yes. yeah, I wanted to um, return to your, um, your thoughts about the role of travel in, and um, the links between um, your ongoing travel and that feeling of an immigrant in the land that you belong to. I was talking about Cydia Hartman, and she yeah. he described it as this pervasive sense of dispossession, this experience of residing in a place that you can never really say is yours. And that, again, you know, feels like a lasting impact of the American colonial project, you know, from, from the Atlantic slave trade to what Hartman calls the afterlife of slavery, emancipation without reparation, you know, the limited access to health care, incarceration and impoverishment and all this kind of stuff the struggle gets to what ta-nehisi coates calls um the violent external control of the body that you know underpins the black lives matter movement today and in all of this in response to all of this the incredible potency the power of, of your project to kind of push against that and expand and reinvent those those very limited and violent notions of identity that have been um, so constraining, you know, to to human experience. Yeah. yeah. So, 
we've just uh or i i specifically just have um always had the the notion that um i mean i guess the best way to put it is that you know when when i'm traveling like and I, and i travel as a in a way as an act of defiance it's it to me it's it's it is socially defiant to be a traveler as a, as a black person you know especially throughout uh the americas um, um when you go to like europe and you know abroad it's 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 a little different but especially when you're traveling throughout uh america canada uh, mexico uh, your your blackness is pervasive you know it's, it's easily seen and everyone has an uh, i think on uh, an, in that hemisphere has an, an idea of what the slave trade has done um, to, to lots of lives, whether you're Jamaican or Haitian or, you know, uh, you know, from Canada, you know. Um, so uh, when I've done uh, like my travels, like I said, it's always an act of, of defiance because this has been, uh, you know, this idea that it's, one, it's, it's it's unsafe, right? Um, being uh, alone as a black person in rural areas is is terrifying <laughs> for for a lot of places. People, you're, if you're the only one, you have no idea what's going on. Um, uh, so um, our kind of like the you know the, it's the whites only sign, but it's it's just it, it's not you know it's not written. It's just um, it's either. It's, institutional so it's we live in places where we just make it hard for black people to live or for people of color to live or exist you know um uh, are they make it cost prohibitive um so you know it's just too expensive for you to have this kind of fun or it's too expensive um for you to have this kind of um lifestyle it's too expensive for you to to get this kind of education or whatever it is so there's those kinds of barriers um and you know i've always thought why can't black people be allowed to do whatever they want you know without having the same kind of social stigmas for um being uh, allowed to just uh, experience um, a life, you know, um, and uh, so I've always railed against um, those those notions of, um, and, and in some ways it's railing against like I don't I don't fault black people for you know I've, I've also heard like you know that's that's white people stuff or that's like you know black guys don't do that black people don't do that and and I've always thought. You know why like why not um what are what social barriers or um niceties or uh you know what are these things that um cause you to to be unable to um to have these experiences you know like um and for me, uh, it's um, it's about uh, you know I guess you could call it the first and and I hate that they're that 
like every time I see someone's like it's the you know I'm excited uh, like let's say like Kamala Harris or something like this, as cool as that um, you know we have a this is the first uh, you know first time we could ever have a black VP and you know multiple years of history to me that's you know, like you'll you'll see something like this is the first black astronaut woman, like two thousand or something like that. You know, uh, that that has happened. But you know, you still get these kinds of firsts, and um, uh, and I think that uh, well, it used to make me really upset. Like, like why why aren't why aren't there more of these? Why have they already been happening? Why didn't they happen fifty, hundred years ago? You know. Um, we have the technology, it's happened everywhere else. These, all these things have already been happening. Why are they just now happening? So, um, but then I started thinking about the ideas of like, you know, there have to be those people. There, there has to be um, boundary breakers, you know, people who um, go to, to places who, who, who become these, um, I guess you can call it. Uh, I guess it's a, it's like recolonization in a way, and, and I, I know that's like, has a has a bad concept. But um, if you, as a as a as a, a black person who's from America, from this this country, are not allowed, like I could, it's very dirt, like like for instance, like Idaho or something like that, seems like a, it's a beautiful place. There's a lot of people who talk about it, and for me, it's it's terrifying to think of going to, to Idaho. You know. Um, you know, I love natural beauty. It's a, it's a beautiful place, but the idea that, uh, you know, a place has like a, a stronghold of white supremacy that is a, is a barrier to experiencing a place that you are from, you know, like, uh, it, you know, there has to be people who have the, the courage to go into these places alone and, um, you know, I guess you could say integrate them, make them safe and available to to other people who look like me. You know, um, you know, I can tell people like, hey, you can go to this place and you can do these things and you can um, have these experiences um, because uh, they're given to you. You know, they're, it's it's literally your privilege to be able to to travel and to open your mind and to whatever stay woke and to have these these kinds of um these experiences that were i would say were reserved for wealthy white individuals you know and that that was like you know they got to go have their um you know their their gap year where they traveled europe and you know they had uh you know all of the uh, the safety and security that you would have um, wherever they moved. Um, and that, that same thing is not available to, to people or persons of color. So um, you have to, but you have to like be people like me who um, do take those risks and who do go to these places and who um, bring back the stories and who, who tell them um, so that, um, you know, Maybe it'll, you know, if you have one person doing it, then it's like two people, then it's 10 people. 
and then and then it's normal, right? And and that's what um, that's the goal. That's what um, I think a lot of uh, Afrofuturism and Afrofuturists are are going for is um, creating that creating all this stuff so that it's normal. That it doesn't have to be Afrofuturism. That it's just, you know, it's futurism. It's just sci-fi and that just happens. You know, that's just how it is. And um, I mean, I love the idea of having, you know, there, there are cultural motifs that are very specific to Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism. So I'm not saying not to get rid of that. Um, what I am saying, though, is that um, creativity, exploration, um, seeing the world, you know, doing out outdoor activities, like watching a certain Netflix show, listening to a certain type of music. These are all things that are, are very normal and, and that when you're in a pr privileged position, um, especially in a situation of white supremacy, like uh, these things for, for the majority are very normal. It's just like life. And for the rest of us, it's a, it's a boundary breaking experience um, to be able to, to go have those, those types of, uh, to have that type of, type of life. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to make, I think that's what the whole goal is, is to uh, you know, make things normal and acceptable. Right on. Let's pop out of screen share, David. You've shared okay. some powerfully important points, and um, there's some really wonderful um, questions and, and, and great people here in this room that are excited to, you know, to be here with you. I want to encourage everybody to turn their cameras on, and we're just going to chance it even if our signal dies. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, I, I want to start by going back to uh, Michael Armstrong asked, are, are you with us still, Michael? Um, you asked a great question. I wanted to invite you to just ask it to David directly. Michael is also a science fiction writer, um, as well as a local newspaper editor. It's wonderful to have, have you with us, Michael. Um, what was your question for David? Well, well the, sort of the concept of alienation, and this, I mean, as a science fiction writer, and it's kind of, uh, you know, a weird kid, you know, kind of a geek, you know, growing up feeling separated from my world. I mean, certainly I've explored the idea of alienation. I just wonder how, you know, that fits in Afrofuturism. I mean, you know, there's alienation in science fiction just based on, I think, largely on the science fiction writer's experience uh, as being an outsider you know, very frequently. And so then, you know, so how, does, how do you think that fits in Afrofuturism? And I have lots of other questions, but... Stick with yeah. that one. <laughs> um, like, uh, so I, I, if you've heard of the concept of the other, that's like um, pretty prominent in the way that Afrofuturism works or relates in, um, within, the con within sort of the cre its creative context. So like, uh, the, the other is, uh, or I guess you, yeah, you could say alienation in a way is, um, Sort of taking the, the ideas uh, that are sort of already relevant. Um, uh, you know, we we can look to 
Uh, I'll just keep using police brutality as a, as a thing. So uh, once we, are, if we're, we're looking at those kinds of things, like uh, we take one of these experiences that um, create or build that. Uh, like uh, what are the, the structural um, pieces that, um, that make uh, Afrofuturism, or I'm sorry, Afrofuturism, but, but police brutality, police brutality, like how does that work? And then we extrapolate from that um, to create um, sort of an Afrofuturist um, framework. Um, so the, but the framework is all based around um, what are the, what are the positive ideas of, of this? So we know it's going to happen, right? Like we, we have, um, we have a history, you know, like longitudinal, like uh, history of this is what happens when this, 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 and this happens. So our, our expectation is that it should maybe happen for the next thousands of years or whatever, or however long. Um, but what if we like, um, we truncate that or what if we change those expectations? Uh, so uh, that's the role of the Afrofuturist is to try to like change what uh, our expectations are of, of what a black life would um, have as they move through these sort of futuristic experiences. So, you know, if our expectations are that, you know, these, the cops are, are going to do a thing, you know, we're going to have, you know, they're going to say it's, uh, they're resisting arrest and then we go through this justice system process. What if we make it so that, you know, somehow the justice system doesn't do the thing it's supposed to do, you know, that we expect, or somehow the cops have a different, um, like, uh, well, well, they're going to do what they're going to do, but people's expectations, um, within those stories will change. So maybe they have like a power, maybe they, um, uh, whatever it may be, but I'm, I hope I'm getting to, 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 the, to the point there for you. Just the idea is like, we want to change expectations. Um, and we do that through the scope of um, what's been, what we've already known. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I got a question, not to do the complete opposite of what Michael just did, because I think it was super important what he said, but one of the things I really noticed in this, um, is your, and I don't know if you do this on purpose, but collaboration comes up a lot in, in what we were seeing. Um, so uh, uh, the opposite of alienation and when, when you make some, you're working with other people, so many voices at the same time are, are doing a, a thing. And then on top of that, like Sanford and Nettie as collaborators is an amazing resume, Jesus Christ. That's just like, those are some of the coolest cats on the planet. Uh, but th they're also people that are doing a similar thing. Like stories belong to lots of different people in lots of different ways. And I, I don't even know if this is turning into a question. I'm just sort of so happy to see <laughs> all, all, all that you were doing. Um, is that something that you're yeah. after? Yeah, like uh, collaboration is, I think it's intrinsic to the way comics work. Um, and uh, so I think that's, I mean, that's how we start. But I think when, because of the people that we're, we're working with in the, 
think we're trying to build, like I said, uh, once again, we're building a codex and a lexicon of, of Afrofuturist ideas. So it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Um, so we have the, we have sort of historical ideas of, uh, you know, like I said, we, we talked about like Henry Dumont, uh, Tony Morrison, and uh, Octavia Butler. So I think they created the, the sort of the, say, the primary voices for how we're, we're making stories. Um, you know, the next people are like John Jennings and, and Nettie, like they're, um, you know, they're, they're taking, they, they were the first and then they're taking that and they're making it so that lots of other creators, people like me, and I'm like third wave, I guess you consider it. Um, you know, like they did a lot of the hard work and now we get to, to, to play around in, in that sandbox. Um, and um, so that's all we're doing. We're just like playing around, building stories um, and trying to, I guess in a way, therapeutically, like get out all of the, the frustrations of, uh, of being a, an othered individual in, in the society. And at the same time that you're saying this, which is makes abundant sense, I'm thinking about, you know, the fact that Amber is here with us today and, and as, a, as a, a visual writer, if you will, you know, a contemporary indigenous Alaskan who, who does work with graphic arts that really also push at how we tell stories and, and um, lift up images of power. Um, you know, where, do you, where does one draw a line between like Afrofuturism or futurism and the idea of indigenization, the ways in which, you know, through your work as well, Nathan, in, in the um, Shared Universe Project, the ways in which um, we can lift up stories and make them alive again today and write new futures right right yeah i think it's um i've actually in, in a way i've always uh uh i've always felt really i mean i still feel bad about like not like being in the wrong country <laughs> if that makes that make like i'm i'm it's stolen land right like and i think we're we're all uh very aware i think in some places um, it's even you're even more aware of um, those those distinctions. You know, I had um, you know going to Hawaii. I I feel like every time I'm there, I'm just like ah, like they had like this awesome place, and uh, now it's just like you know condos, <laughs> you know, and um, and then the, and, and the people who are there, Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders, are treated second-class citizens and I see shades of that like a lot of that in um, in Alaska and um, so I actually had you know I had a lot of um, reservations uh, about coming to where I think um, I don't want to say it's like it's it's there, you know, and um, so the I, it is an act of colonization to come into to these places. I, I feel, um, but even as a 
it, and that's for me as an I think as an American, as a person who's from a displaced land, still trying to find their their own um, sent their own land, their own sense of identity, like recognizing that um, you know none of this is it belongs to me, and and even my my lineage itself doesn't really have a um, a place to go back to, you know, like because uh, I don't really know, like. You know, I don't know if I'm Igbo or whatever it may be. Um, so there's there's no there's no nation for me to to become a part of. So that's part of I guess you could say. I mean, this is kind of rambling, but um, part of the the traveling experience um, and trying to find all of these places is uh, sort of going to you know where does my identity fit um, within these spaces because. There is no, um, there's no place to come back. But yeah, I don't know, that was rambling. <laughs> uh, I just, responding partially to what you just said, but also to the whole entire presentation, um, it makes me think of a lot of the discoveries that, uh, that I've come to through doing, particularly doing work with um, stitches and work with trying to incorporate um, many stories in a in a respectful way that honors each each individual person as a part of a story. Um, I'm finding more and more of that um, that work leads me to the knowledge that I carry inside myself about like who sometimes you feel like you've lost all of this knowledge that you can never recover. But then when I'm going outside and I'm doing that work, those answers are coming inside myself. And I think that that's, I could, I could really see that in your work and it was, it was so powerful, but the, I think the most powerful thing that I wanted to mention and that I just appreciate so profoundly is that, what you're what you're showing in your collaboration is like equity in action like you're taking the ego out of the work and you're letting the work speak in a way that it can't if if it's only about you and i think that that is incredibly powerful and i think it's a it's an example that i would like to uh follow for myself in in future endeavors so I think just sitting through this presentation, I'm so grateful for it because it's just like a complete paradigm shift just happened inside of me in regard to what art can be. And I think that that's just incredible. So like those kinds of concepts, those things we don't even realize that we're, that we're doing with our work are just so incredibly powerful. So thank you, I guess is all, I, all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh wow, that's thank you. That's no, that's thank you. Yeah, that's terrific. You know, I, I, I've always thank you. That's that, that's really cool. I'm gonna be bashful for a little bit. It really is. Like, um, yeah, all I can say is thank you. So that was, I mean, that was that was wonderful, and that's all the work of. I mean, you know, I'm, I don't, yeah, I just make work to. Uh, I, I don't want to say I'm. I, I, I'm egoless. We all we all have an ego. We all like want to 
you know, sometimes you want to be the coolest or whatever, but, um, you know, that's not, that's not my goal as an artist. So yeah, it's, it's always about the work. And um, I didn't, I actually didn't even notice that. And that's really cool that, that you see that too. But I had, I did have a, a friend and, and another collaborator, collaborator tell me, tell me that as, as well once. He's like, or he just pointed out, he's like, you're, you're one of those guys that's just about the work. And it's not about uh, whatever, the money or like trying to make sure that your, your name is seen somewhere, um, that, that you own this. It's, it's that you just want to make the work and whatever you can do to get to that, to that, that end point, whether it's work with 20 people, whether it's getting rid of your favorite part, you know, or whatever, you know, it's, uh, you make, you still make the work. I got one more question. I'm sorry. I, don't, I know everybody's wanting to go and I'm so surprised to hear Amber say that your work is like so incredibly generous community that that um i'm like kind of shocked to hear you say that i, I adore your work by the way amber but for uh david how much of alaska have you seen like has it been just homer because um a million would, alaskans that you're gonna like to get to know because that aesthetic of, of of community collaborative work like that's what we like a lot mm -hmm. of us i mean that's it's not a hard sell we're like all about it so that's, yeah, that's my that's my whole bag. That's why I chose Alaska. <laughs> but like, um, I would say, a, not a lot. Alaska is like huge. Um, I've you know I've I drove from Mexico all the way to Homer. Um, so like, uh, I got to see whatever was between the Yukon and Homer. Um, I spent a week in Denali. You know, I've camped out there, um, hung out in Anchorage. That's about you know that's about it. And, Right now, I've been, you know, just slowly trying to find all of that that splendor, getting to the getting to the majesty out there, um, and it's, you know, it's it's huge. So, and I, I plan to be here for a long time. So, hopefully, I'll get to see more of that and we gotta get to do a lot more community. Cool. I'm I'm definitely down always. We've made some really nice connections in this conversation with with Anchorage and Aleknagak and Billingham and and. Um, other places which, um, you know, that would be very exciting. As Rika said, bridges are building and um, connection and collaboration are really um, indigenous values that uh, Alaska can, you know, can nurture in your practice. So I want to thank you so much, David, for, for sharing with us today and for sticking through this crazy uh, internet and everybody else. It's been Yeah, thank you so much really powerful conversation this was uh heart and mind and body opening for this one like i really appreciated that and um thanks for the, the kind words and um thanks for listening to me and going through all of the, the connections and everything um i'm glad i got to to share my work with you um and i hope i get to speak to you to all of you you know anybody else who wants to like i'm I am an open line. I will, I will never turn you away. Um, I mean, I might be busy drawing, but you know, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, if you guys want to, if anybody wants to talk after, I'm, I'm open. I also want to mention that you'll have some workshops coming up in, um, in, in uh, 
Futurism in Comics um, in December and January and a residency at Bunnell in January. So we're looking forward to more um, dialogue and sharing and online, you know, learning together, basically. Absolutely. So take care, everyone, and stay in touch. Thank you, everyone.